Go ahead and take a seat, please. My parents were recently here for a visit, and they uh, asked me if I remembered the story of the Fleming boys, which I had not. The Fleming boys were four brothers who all had celiac disease, which meant if they ate anything with gluten, they'd have all sorts of different reactions. And for the Fleming boys, what it meant was a painful stomachache for a few hours. And our church growing up, like many churches, had uh, regular potlucks. And so after the prayer was said for the food, the Fleming boys would rush over to the dessert table and they would begin to debate amongst themselves whether any of those desserts looked good enough to justify eating knowing they would get a couple of hours of a stomach ache. And the ultimate compliment that a cook could get at a potluck was if one of the Fleming boys would eat the dessert that you made because they knew the pain they would feel later was worth the pleasure they could enjoy now. Life is full of a lot of difficult decisions where we have to wrestle with pain now, pleasure later, or pleasure now and pain later. And it makes it really hard for us to make choices because we struggle with a few things. I think that for us, there's a tension between the immediate and the long term. Have you ever uh, been in a situation where you you decided not to do something and later you looked back and you said, man, if I had that moment back, I would have gone ahead and just done that. Some young people, as they think about retirement, they say, look, I see these people who saved their whole life for retirement, and then a recession hit, or, and then there was a war, or they died before they can enjoy it, so I'm not going to make the mistake my parents made. I'm not going to save retirement. I'm going to enjoy it all right now. Have you ever had times where you decided to go ahead and choose something with a more immediate reward, and then a little bit later down the road, you said, man, what did I do to myself? So we have these struggles and this tension as we make decisions about the immediate and the long term. I think we also experience a tension between who's winning and who wins. It's really easy for us to know who is currently winning. If you take life and you look at people, there's probably some people who you looked at them growing up and you said, man, if I could be like them, if I could have what they have, if I could be a part of the relationships, and you think, man, they really have a great life until a moment happens. And then their life takes a downward turn and you just say, man, now not only do I not want to be like them, but now I feel sorry for them. We can tell who is winning, but it's sometimes hard for us to know exactly who wins. Our problem in making decisions is that our our telescope for the future is broken. We can't see. We can't know exactly what is going to happen in all the twists and turns of life. But what we do have as Christians is we have the advantage of future seeing and telling scriptures that allow us and enable us to see, maybe not specifically for our own individual life, but for history. We can see what tomorrow will look like. This morning, we're going to be studying Isaiah chapter uh, 24 through 27. And this is a passage where God is going to continue to teach Judah what she needs to know in order to make wise decisions in the future. There was a test in Isaiah 7 through 12 that Judah failed And now God is saying, let me teach you a little bit about trust. Let me teach you a little bit about faith. And then you will be equipped to make wise decisions. And so Isaiah does this in these chapters by introducing us to two cities. The first is what we're going to call Earth City. Earth City is not a specific place, but it is a place that is representative of, of a kind of a place that earth dwellers might look at and say, oh, if I could just live in a city like that. That city looks so great. That city looks so wonderful. And then the second city is God City. 
This is the city that is built and established by God. And Isaiah wants to introduce both of these cities to his readers so that they will be able to make a wise choice. And if Isaiah does his work successfully, by the end of chapter 27, we should say to ourselves, why would anyone ever choose to live in earth city? And oh, if I could have but an opportunity to live in God city. So Isaiah 24 begins with this picture that Isaiah knows his audience has of these foreign nations, these earth cities that they are surrounded with. But we may not quite have that image, so I'm going to give us that image first before we enter into Isaiah 24. So you're going to imagine that you're watching TV and there's a news segment where you see a reporter who is live on the scene. And the reporter begins with these words, reporting live from Earth City. And the first thing that catches your attention is the colorful outfits of the people on the screen. They're all dressed as if for a party. And over the voice of the reporter, you can hear the upbeat music, you can hear the saxophone, you can hear the trombone, you can hear the drum beating, and as you hear it, you feel yourself just beginning to tap along with the music. And you see the people, and what you see is the smiles that are plastered on their faces, and you see that they are, they are moving along, they have these drinks in their hand, and they are shouting, and they're not shouts of pain, they're shouts of happiness, they're shouts of joy. And the reporter says, wouldn't you love to be here as a part of this festivity? Which is exactly how Judah feels when she looks at these earth cities around her. God had said that Judah was to be separate from the nations. And yet Judah can look and can say, yeah, but they're having so much fun. That Judah longs to be a part of it. Look at all of the fun they're having. Look at all the joy there is. Wouldn't it be amazing to at least visit a place like that? And what if you could live in a place like that? These nations seem to have figured out what the good life is all about. But Isaiah 24 is where Isaiah will strip the facade from Earth City. From the long view of history, there's nothing about Earth City that anybody ought to ever envy. And so we can imagine now just a short time later, the reporter in that very same city And as the news flickers on, you see in that scene, the very first thing that you notice is the hollow quiet. Gone is the loud music of joy. The mirth of timbrels is stilled. The noise of the jubilant has ceased. The mirth of the lyre is stilled. And yet, if you listen close enough, you can hear some noises coming out of Earth City. It is all the merry-hearted who are sighing. They're sighing because of the defeat. They're sighing because of the loss. They're sighing because of the destruction. And as the camera pans across this now desolate earth city, you see that it is a city of chaos that is broken down. You notice that every house is shut up so that no one can enter. You see that the gates have been battered into ruins. So what happened here? You're wondering, what is the cause of all of this? And the reporter finds a man wandering by named Isaiah, and she asks him, what happened here? And Isaiah says, oh, this is what God had prophesied about. This is what God had spoken about. Because God said, now the Lord is about to lay waste to the earth and to make it desolate, and he will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants. The earth shall be utterly laid waste and utterly despoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. The heavens languish together with the earth. 
The pleasures of Earth City are temporary. They are fleeting. Notice what happens when the wine dries up. The wine dries up, the vineyard languishes. No longer do they drink wine with singing. Strong drink is bitter to those who drink it. There is outcry in the streets for lack of wine. When we looked at Earth City as outsiders, we thought they were so happy, and we come to realize they were just drugged. We thought that there was something deeply satisfying to their lives, but we see now there's just an artificially induced celebration. And that celebration is followed with deep regrets. Their joy was an illusion. They chased after something temporary, and when the temporary source of their joy finished, so also did their joy. Their lives were full of smoke and mirrors, empty facades. So why? Why did this happen to earth city? Isaiah 24, 5 says, For they have transgressed laws, they have violated the statutes, and they have broken the everlasting covenant. The language here is really, really strange because you would expect this to be language that is offered just to Israel, language just to Judah. At what point were there laws for the nations? At what point were there statutes for the nations? When did God make an everlasting covenant with the nations? And we come to find and we realize that God the Creator has made, has a moral law for all people who live. He has a unique and a specific covenant with Israel, with Judah, and yet all people are under a moral law of God. So the moral law in many ways is similar to natural law. Um, natural law, take gravity for example, it doesn't really matter whether you believe in gravity or not, it still applies to you. So if you go up to the top of this church building and you say, I'm going to step off this church building because I don't believe in gravity, guess what? You're going to at the very least hurt yourself and probably going to kill yourself. So these are laws that function regardless of how you feel about them, regardless of what you think about them, they simply are in existence. And so God's law of morality is the same. It applies to all people and it governs the lives of all people. And so Isaiah says, because you have spurned God's laws, his statutes, you have violated his everlasting covenant. This is why destruction will come upon earth city. But all throughout Isaiah, we've been learning punishment does not happen simply for punishment's sake. It is for the sake of redemption and reconciliation. So Isaiah now is prepared to leave the picture of earth city and to introduce us now to God city. This is a city that is built and established by God himself. If you were to see the news, and the new newscaster now finds herself in God City, the, the thing that would probably be surprising is, from a distance, it actually looks an awful lot like Earth City. There are these sounds coming out of God City. There are shouts, there are songs, there are loud celebrations. And yet, as you listen more closely to the cause of the noise to the sound that is underlying it, you realize that these are not just meaningless words, but these are words of praise that are directed to God. O Lord God, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things, plans formed of old, faithful and sure. On that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He set up victory like walls and bulwarks. See, as the camera pans across this now city, you will see celebration and feasting. Isaiah 25, 6, On this mountain of the Lord of hosts, we will make for all people a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, 
of rich food filled with marrow, of aged wines strained clear. The food and the drink of God's city is emphasized for its richness. This is not your average meal. This is a celebration. Because God's city is a place that is maintained and established by God. And so we're going to see a reversal of some of the things that have been experienced earlier. For example, Isaiah 5. Remember God said of Judah, Now I will tell you what will be done to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its walls and it shall be trampled down. But now look at the picture that has been restored. On that day, a pleasant vineyard, sing about it. I, the Lord, am its keeper. Every moment I water it, I guard it night and day so that no one can harm it. So the feature of God's city is its abundance and its richness because God is there providing what is necessary and what is needed. But not only is it a picture of richness, but it's a a picture of God's protection. That God will ensure these things to continue because He is present there with the people. This will be something that will be enjoyed throughout time, not just simply for a moment. Notice what Isaiah says in 25, 7 through 8. And He will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all people. The shroud that we're talking about here is death. Just like there is a law, a moral law that applies to all people, there is also a, no, a moral consequence that applies to all people, which is death. But on the mountain of God, this shroud that is cast over the people, the sheet that is spread over all nations, he will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces, and the disgrace from his people he will take away from the earth, for the Lord has spoken. In God's city, Death will never intervene with God's provision and God's protection. And if you're wondering, wouldn't that be a great place to live? Wouldn't that be a wonderful city to live in, this God city? Isaiah answers the question, to whom is welcomed into this city? Isaiah 26, 2-4, Open the gates so that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. Those of steadfast mind you keep in peace. In peace because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord your God, on the Lord your God you have an everlasting rock. So the gates are open. They are open for all, but not all people will enter into this God city. Those who enter will be those who have two criteria. Number one, they keep the faith. Remember, this is a lesson to Judah. As Judah's looking at the nations, as they're jealous of the other nations, And the invitation is, God's city will be open to those who keep the faith. In trying times, times of struggle and times of hardship. But the second group who will be welcomed in is is those who have continued to trust in God. The gates are open. So what's the lesson, first of all, for Isaiah's audience? And then what is the lesson for us? Isaiah offers this prophecy because Judah will very shortly be making a decision about choosing God's ways... Or choosing once again to make an alliance with a foreign nation. Who's she going to trust in? Who's she going to have faith in? And God is saying, if you want to live in God's city, then in your times of struggle, your times of hardship, you need to choose the way of God. The city of God is reserved for those who believe that God will alone save them. That God will alone deliver them. 
And for Judah, this is their hope and their prayer in Isaiah 6, 26, 8 and following. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and your renown are the soul's desire. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. These are the righteous who long for and seek for God's presence. Now, the key difference for us as Christians is that in some ways, the foundations of the city of God have already been established. The city is in some ways already present, and the city is also in some ways yet to come. As John in his gospel writes, he makes ties and connections to this God city. Notice whenever Jesus comes, John has Jesus' first miracle recorded as turning water into wine. And it is said in John 2.10, everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. How does this miracle reveal his glory? It reveals his glory because Jesus brings the well-aged wine. That which is more lasting and more satisfying than what they are able to find. Jesus is now the bearer, the bringer of this God city. In John 6.35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus offers people the feast of God's city. For us to make wise decisions in life, we have to wrestle with the tension of the immediate and the long term. We have to experience the tension between who's winning and who wins. Because our future telescope is broken, we have a gift from God. Which is the scriptures that help us to see clearly what is coming in time of human history. And really Isaiah's choice to them and to us is the same. You can choose to live in one of these two cities. And God will allow each of us to make our choice about which city we will live in. We can choose to live in earth city, the place where all is temporary, the place where we experiment in every moment, not knowing how things will turn out. It is the place where you can exchange momentary pleasure for an eternity of regret. It is the place that might seem wonderful at the moment, but soon will come to nothing. And if you choose to, you can live in earth city. But there is a second city that is offered to us. This is the city that God himself has established, that God has established through his Son and by his Spirit. And it is a city that is open to all who are willing to live on the basis of faith. It is a city for those who will live by the laws and statutes of God, who will enter into an everlasting covenant with God. And they will enter the place on the basis of trust. Trust in his Son, Jesus Christ. Trust in his death his burial, and his resurrection. So as we began in our call to worship, we talked about Joshua who said, choose this day whom you will serve. Isaiah really is offering us that same choice. Who will you serve? Which city will you live in? Which city will be your future? My prayer is that you will choose to live on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ, that you will die to your old way of living, be baptized in the waters of baptism, be resurrected to a newness of life, a life that is lived in the city of God. Offer a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn towards you and give you peace. And as we go from here, we know that we go with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the love of God, 
and with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. If you have any kind of a need, if you've yet to make your choice about God's city, I invite you to come to the back as we stand and sing this next song together.